Hello and welcome. You're tuned to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Jeremiah heard slander, lies, deceit. He was hurt by this letter. Have you ever had somebody open their communication to you with major flattery only to try and soften their main message later on? How do you respond to an email that starts nice and then slams you? Old Testament prophet Jeremiah had some experience in that. Let's see how he responded. Tonight, Dr. Corbett looks at letters that lie. Jeremiah is known as the prophet who wept because he, he didn't just deliver his message. He wasn't like a postman delivering the message and then forgetting what he was actually doing. He felt his message. He was known as the prophet who wept. And as we look from verses 24 down to verses 32, this section here is called Letters That Lie. Letters That Lie. As I was pondering this and pondering the context here, we, we have Jeremiah who from a very early age, possibly around about the age of 12, was called by God to be a prophet to the nation, to speak to kings. Don't know if you get that picture. A 12-year-old boy speaking to kings. The, the courage he needed to be able to do that. We find in, we're introduced to Jeremiah in chapter 1 where he says, I, I, I can't do that. I'm too young. I won't be received. And God says to him, I've called you to do this. I will be with you to do this. You will destroy, uproot, and clear. And then you will prepare, plant, and build. And we're now in the second section of Jeremiah where, well, sorry, the third section where initially God was unpacking that call with Jeremiah where he, a number of times, as I think is a sign of immaturity, the immature person wants to quit readily. How often do parents give their children a task to do, not because no one else on the planet can do that task, but because every parent knows you need to give your children responsibility. We read in the opening chapters of Jeremiah that he wanted to quit time and time again. And as we see him growing into a man, he gets to that point where he says, every time I quit, your spirit burns in my bones like fire. Your word wells up in me like a volcano and I just speak it out and I can't help it. <laughs> Your word is in my bones. And he begins to realise that the call of God also enables the fulfilment of that call. And so we've seen Jeremiah plead with the people, turn from ignorance, turn from idolatry, turn from immorality. And we live in an age when those things aren't condemned, those things are celebrated. <laughs> Ignorance is celebrated. I mean, we look at TV shows where men are now portrayed as buffoons and it becomes a top-rating TV program. I mean, the toppest-rating TV program in the world is The Simpsons. And this is what the world's doing to people, celebrating... Um, don't ever, If you see Homer, don't tell him I said this, but celebrating ignorance. It's just crazy. And, of course, the type of ignorance Jeremiah's talking about is that people are ignoring. Not just that they don't know, it's that they are truly ignorant. They are ignoring God's word. And 
idolatry. Jeremiah was pleading with the people to return to God, to put God first. If you are more enthusiastic about anything or anyone else apart from God, you're filled with the wrong God. That's a type of idolatry. So, Jeremiah pleading with the people to return to a knowledge of God, worship of God. And of course, when you don't know God and you refuse to know God and you refuse to make God number one in your life, you'll follow your own passions. You'll do what you want to do. And that only leads to immorality. And we live in an age when our culture is so sexualized. It's bizarre. What a wonderful thing it is for two people on their wedding day to give to each other the gift that wedding night of their virginity. And the world laughs at that. (laughs) The world's whacked. (laughs) And Jeremiah's pleading with the people not to celebrate sexual immorality, which eventually led to all kinds of sexual practice, which included the mistreatment of the most vulnerable in society, the newborn. And the newborn were being thrown into a furnace just outside of Jerusalem, in the Valley of Hinnom, in a place called Tophet. There was an oven there dedicated to the god Molech where you could take your newborn baby and just throw it in, burn it, so that the god Molech would increase fertility and prosperity on your life. Jeremiah is pleading with the people not to do that. And the people are saying to Jeremiah, shut up. And he's, he's, he's been locked up already. He's about to be locked up again. We'll see that in the coming um, parts of this series. One prophet has publicly humiliated him, which led to Jeremiah speaking the word of the Lord in a gathering of people to this prophet, Hananiah, saying, the words you've spoken are not true. You will not live even the period of time that you've said they'll be away in captivity. And I'll explain that in a moment. And within two months, this prophet was dead. Hananiah was dead. And everybody heard what Jeremiah said. They all knew what he said. There's no question of what he said. And they saw his word fulfilled in this prophet, Hananiah, within eight weeks. Now, it's in that context that we also need to know that from 12 or so years of age, Jeremiah was saying Babylon is going to become a world empire. And Babylon is going to come in and is going to take away captives. And Babylon is going to take the cream of the crop back to Babylon. Now, of course, Babylon was not a world empire at this time. And everyone mocked Jeremiah. This is an absurd, a ridiculous thing to say. And then it happened. The king was deposed, taken to Babylon. The cream of the crop, the elite, including Daniel and Ezekiel and some of these guys were taken over to Babylon. And then these false prophets said it won't last. It'll be a matter of months, months at the most. Two years tops, which is what Hananiah said. 
And Jeremiah's saying, no, it'll be 70 years. And that wasn't just a random number he pulled out of his head either. Firstly, that was what God told him to say. But secondly, God wasn't just pulling that out of the air either. There was a reason for the 70 years. That was the equivalent of how much time the land should have been rested for. So here we have somebody in Babylon saying, writing to the newly appointed second-in-command priest. The previous second-in-command priest, the assistant to the high priest, he was taken to Babylon. So this guy, uh, Zephaniah, has now been appointed as the priest. And we're getting a glimpse of a letter from Shemaiah, uh, Shemaiah, uh, who's written to Zephaniah. And he's got some things to say about what he should do about Jeremiah. And the gist of it is going to go like this. Jeremiah is discouraging the people. Jeremiah is saying that we're going to be here for a long time, that we should build houses, plant vineyards, welcome our our sons and daughters to get married and see them establish homes and families in Babylon. This is so discouraging. Please shut him up. That's the context. Now, this is a letter that he wrote and he slandered Jeremiah. Letters that lie. So let's look at this verse. Verse 24, if you've got your Bible. So God is going to use Jeremiah to speak to this fellow. So let's pick it up. Verse 24. To Shemaiah of Nehalem, you shall say, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. You have sent letters in your name to all the people who are in Jerusalem and to Zephaniah, the son of Messiah, the priest, and to all the priests, saying, The Lord has made you priest instead of Jehoiada the priest, to have charge in the house of the Lord over every madman who prophesies to put him in stocks and neck irons. <laughs> All right, so here's this guy, Shemaiah. We don't know a whole lot about him, but we do know that he was taken away to Babylon and he's upset with the. So Jeremiah's already written to the people. We've read this earlier in chapter 29. Jeremiah wrote to the people and said, Don't. Let these people who are telling you that your deportation to Babylon is only going to be a matter of weeks, months, or even a couple of years. They're lying to you. You are there because God has sent you there because you did not obey God. And you, we've read earlier, are actually better off being there than those of us that are left here in Jerusalem, which history will show that to be very true. So, here we have this guy, Shemaiah, writing to Zephaniah. You notice what this guy, Shemaiah, did to Zephaniah? You're the priest now. You're the man. God's put you there. You're God's appointed man. Now, because of that, you really know what you should do. You should be taking Jeremiah, not just putting him in prison, not just putting manacles around his legs. You should put neck irons around him. That's what he's just said. Neck irons, last two words. <laughs> Don't just put him in prison, put neck irons around him. So here's something I think we can draw from this. Beware of those who flatter you. Beware of those who flatter you. If you read Proverbs, you're actually going to read a proverb that actually straight up says that. <laughs> Beware of those who use flattery. Beware of them. Why? Because... It could be that their encouragement 
is aimed at manipulating you. Proverbs 1.10 talks about those who flatter and encourage people into wickedness. And, and if you've been in this church a long time, and you're probably now a, a, a young adult, you may remember that we used to tell a series of Bible stories every Sunday um, about 10, 12 years ago. And one of the memory verses was Proverbs 1.10. And it says um, in one of the translations, if, if people want to lead you astray into evil and wickedness, my son, do not follow them. And of course, we can render that in for a child. If someone wants you to be naughty, don't do it. And most of, the, most of the children who are now young adults can tell you that verse because we taught it to them in Italian. If it is someone wants it for you to be naughty, you don't want to do it. <laughs> Proverbs 1.10. Proverbs 1.10. Now, probably for the rest of your day, you're going to struggle to forget Proverbs 1.10 now. If someone flatters you and encourages you with an aim to manipulate you, be on your guard. Young girls, listen carefully. (laughs) Because many a young man will flatter you to manipulate you. That went suddenly quiet. Jeremiah 29, 27. Now, why have you not rebuked Jeremiah of Anathoth, who was prophesying to you? Verse 28. This is obviously what he had in the letter. For he has sent to us in Babylon, saying, Your exile will be long. Build houses, live in them, plant gardens, and eat their produce. Okay, so Zephaniah, the priest, the executive pastor, if you will, to the senior pastor, the one who actually makes the decisions and kind of runs the show, he's got this letter. He's being told he's the man. He's the one who makes decisions. He has the authority to take, what was the word? Mad men, prophesying mad things and deal with them severely. Not only lock them up, but put them in neck irons. Wow, that's pretty heavy duty church discipline. So here's, here's a question. Without reading on, what should Zephaniah the priest have done with this letter? Can I sort of look at an application here? Because in life, you will get letters like this. They may not be written on paper. They may not even be an email. They may come, <laughs> they may come in the form of an overdue Aurora bill. They may come in the form of a parking fine. It may come in some kind of unwelcomed, un, uninvited news that if, if you handle it poorly, you're going to be a poor leader. And as I was thinking about this, here's Zephaniah. He's called to kind of more or less pastor Jerusalem. And he's got this letter telling him, flattering him, and then telling him what he should do. And Zephaniah takes a, almost a wimpy response to this. We'll look at what he did in a moment. But what should you do when you get really, really bad, discouraging news? Can I talk to the men for a moment? Just the men. Women can kind of vague out. Because men, we will often be the brunt 
of massive discouragement. Whether it be financial, whether it be emotional, whether it be things aren't going well in work or whatever it is. And this is what I've discovered. If you fully unload on your wife and your children, you are not being the God-appointed provider, protector and priest of your family that he's called you to be. Leaders need to filter well. Filter well. But I've seen too many wimpy men who, who won't be the leader of their home. You know, the, the wife comes with the Aurora bill, the Telstra bill, the insurance bill, the Reggio bill, all the medical bills. He goes, what are we going to do? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> At that point, that's not what you say. At that point, you step up, toughen up and be a man. And you say, give me those. It'll be okay. Come here. Come and have a man hug. And impart to her strength (laughs) and confidence. And and, and I may have presented it in a lighthearted way, but I'm very serious here. Men are designed to carry more load. They are designed to, and they should. So... What should he have done with it? Probably something like that. Probably, I I get the impression that he publicly read it out in the presence of Jeremiah to everybody. That's that's it. You know what he probably should have done is he probably should either have just put it through the shredder or he should have mentioned it to Jeremiah, maybe not shown it to him. That's probably what he should have done. So if you're a leader and someone criticises someone on your team... Don't, don't just dump it on the one who's been criticised. Filter it. Go to them. And maybe, maybe mention it. Does that make sense? That's what Zephaniah should have done. He didn't do that. So spiritual leaders are called to shield those they lead. Now, for those that have been tracking with us for a while, you know, we're coming up now to, uh, in a few months, we'll have been pastoring here 18 years. But in 18 years or so, I don't think you've ever heard me get up here and just totally switch direction and change gears and respond to every little criticism that I've had through the week. That's just not good leadership. And I hope that men get this for their families, men get this for their marriages, and men understand that even when your child is getting older, late teens, early 20s, you're still their dad. You're still called to pastor them. You're still called to speak the word of the Lord into them and care for them. So what should Zephaniah have done? He probably should have been a little bit more discerning and he probably needed to make a tough decision because that's what leaders do. It involves being discerning and making tough decisions. And you know what, men? There are some men I've discovered who are afraid to do that because they're afraid they'll make a mistake. If we can just put your mind at ease about that, you will. You will. You will make mistakes. And this is where, if I could, wives, come back in now. If I could talk to you, I would say when your husband does make a mistake, you've got two options there. You can either be a foolish wife or a wise wife. You can be a foolish wife and rub his nose in it. Just rub his nose in it and remind him, you made a decision once and look what happened. And then 
criticise him for the rest of his life for not making a decision. (laughs) Come on. So as we look at Zephaniah and his leadership, Zephaniah the priest read this letter in the hearing of Jeremiah the prophet. And what did Jeremiah hear? Jeremiah heard slander, lies, deceit. He heard ridicule. He heard offence. He was hurt by this letter. So now here's, let's flip the equation. (laughs) You ever had somebody come up to you and their opening statement is, don't take this the wrong way. (laughs) What are you guaranteed to do from that point? (laughs) How do you handle slander and offence and ridicule? How should Jeremiah have handled this? And this is the question. What can we learn from what he did? Because how he responded shows that he was no longer a boy. He'd become a man. How he responded to this. Because I've noticed that when you offend someone who's immature, you get a very immature response. That's not meant to be a blinding revelation. That's meant to be, I'm waiting for the... I'm waiting for the really insightful news here. Well, there's no insightful news about that. You offend a very immature person, you'll get a very immature response. Jeremiah did not respond immaturely. He responded amazingly mature. So how should we respond when we're slandered? Didn't Jesus have something to say about this? Didn't he, didn't he give some advice? Did we say it? Commands? about how we should respond when people say all manner of evil against us. And if we're going to be Christ followers, we've got to start to take this seriously. Because this requires for us to toughen up a bit and to follow Christ even when we want to scream, we want to yell abuse back, we want to... You call that road rage. I'll show you road rage. When when everything in us wants to respond in an immature way. Let's look at how he handled it. Therefore, thus says the Lord. Just ponder that for a moment. Here's his response. How do you get to respond like that? From my experience, you have to take a little bit of time out. And you have to ask God. God, what do I do? How do I handle this? Isn't that the best way to handle somebody who's pushing your buttons? Somebody aggravates you, they irritate you, they ridicule you, they slander you. They say things that get your goat up. And you can either choose to respond like someone who's not a Christ follower or someone who is a Christ follower, by saying, Jesus, right now, I just need a little bit of extra grace. Please help me, help me, help me to respond right now. What do you want me to say? All of that is in that expression, therefore, therefore, thus says the Lord. Behold, I will punish Shemaiah of Nehalem. And his descendants. He shall not have anyone living among this people. And he shall not see the good that I will do to my people, declares the Lord. For he has spoken rebellion against the Lord. 
Oh boy. So here's this guy. Jeremiah's already said to these guys who've gone over to Babylon, you guys, you're not the bad figs here. You're the good figs. You've got nothing to complain about. God is protecting you. You are actually the blessed ones to be taken away. He didn't believe it. He rejected that word. And so Jeremiah comes back with the word of the Lord. Not, and, and think about this. If you're a prophet and you've just, just in a matter of days, seen somebody that you just spoke the word of the Lord, you will be dead before you even see your time frame come to pass. And then they're dead in eight weeks. Wouldn't you think, I could just throw a prophecy right now at Shemaiah about you know death and destruction and blight and smiting and that kind of stuff. But he didn't do that. All he said was, you'll live out your days, but you'll not, you'll not have children to carry on your name. Relatively, that's a pretty gentle response, really. So what has Jeremiah done? He's based his response on the word of God. He's based his response to this person on the word of God. <sighs> Man, I, you know, I have had people who, uh, couples and so on, who've been in deep conflict and they've said, yes, I'm going to base my response on the word of God. I want you to give my wife this Bible verse. You give her this Bible verse. I'm thinking, no, no. That, so if you're hearing me as if that's what I'm saying, I'm not saying this. I'm not saying quote Bible verses at them. I'm saying live those verses out. Respond by living it out. Respond by doing what Jesus said. Now here's where I think we can finish up looking at this section here, because Jeremiah has shown remarkable reserve. He's been slandered, he's been lied about, he's been ridiculed. And he just responds, thus says the Lord, because you have done this to the Lord, not me, (laughs) to the Lord, you won't see your children survive. Your children will perish and not carry on your name. Wow. Wow. So here's, here's the New Testament application. The next time you're tempted to retaliate, remember Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. Do yourself a favour. Have a look at those things written in Romans 12, verses 9 to 21. There are 27 things in that little section there telling us how we should treat people. And this is what Jesus said. But you know what? You can't begin to treat people the way God wants you to unless you are surrendered to him. And perhaps this is the day when you have been coasting in a lukewarm state, coasting through life, compromised, giving Jesus half your best. And today I'm calling you, come home. Give him your best. You may feel like you've been exiled into Babylon. And God's word to you might be what it was to those. You think you're being hindered, but you're being helped. I am securing your future. When a letter falsely slanders you, don't you just want to get on your high horse and retaliate? Not the best idea, as we've learned from Jeremiah. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Letters That Lie, are available via the website, findingtruthmatters.org, or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania, 7277. For regular updates and special offers, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. Dr Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week 
for another Finding Truth Matters.